Welcome to Smurfs Get Smurfinated. On Smurf Day, we smurf about Smurfs, the lost village. Stay smurfed. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about Smurfination, Smurf telling, and Smurfs. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. Today, obviously, we're talking about Smurfs, colon, the lost village. Uh, which, as a note I feel has to be made clear right now, is not a sequel to the last two Smurf movies. This Thanks, is not Smurf. a sequel. Thanks, Smurf, indeed. Thanks, Smurfus. <laughs> Just good Smurf that it's not. That would be a Smurf and Smurf of a film. I couldn't quite follow that one. But That's all right. I got the, I got the gist. I got the gist. <laughs> I got the smurf. I'm just trying to smurf it here. Okay, we should... No more smurfing. We're done. For now. I can't make that promise. Okay. <laughs> so this is Smurfs the Lost Village, not a sequel to the last two Smurf movies, animated entirely differently, completely computer animated, and telling a different and more interesting story, and possibly one that had to be told for this property to stay relevant. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. And I think all, all of those things that you've said, yes, I would agree with. <laughs> and we are talking about this today. I know there's probably a lot of eye rolls. Um, similarly to The Boss Baby, um, based on the trailer, I think I'm speaking for you here, but we were both going to skip this movie. Um, this one, actually, I wanted to see. Oh, okay. Well, not knowing anything about it except the trailer, I had planned on skipping it. And then as soon as I read a news story about what it was about, I was like, oh, I want to see this. Just to see how this plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is really more Smurfs colon Smurfette and the Hero's Journey. Or right. my favorite alternate title, All About Smurfette, a new <laughs> Almodovar film. <laughs> I, I think for, for most people, when they think about Smurfs, it, it's, they're really going back to the 80s, and the main problem, if they have a problem with Smurfs, the problem that they have comes from Smurfette. Yes. Which now, has now famously been mocked in at least one other movie. Like, there's a whole Donnie Darko monologue about Smurfette. And as a kid who grew up with Smurfs and as a child who had tons of Smurfs, little figures, just lots of them, um, there's, interestingly, not a lot of, I think there was one thing that I saw about where's the nostalgia for Smurfs? You know, is this going to be a hit for people? Are they really looking forward to Smurfs? But I think that the first two Smurf films really smurfed it for the rest of, you know, for, for the franchise. They just smurfed it to the ground. Um, Did you see the first two? I saw the first one. Okay. And the only reason I did was I was excited to see Hank Azaria as Gargamel in live, ac <laughs> in live action. That's the main reason why I saw um, the first Smurfs with Neil Patrick Harris and... Um, I didn't like the design of the Smurfs in the Smurf films, but to make 
the Smurfs exist in a live action world. They had to make them quote unquote photorealistic in a weird way. And they just looked strange. Like they came from the uncanny Valley. That's where, <laughs> that's where the Smurf village lived in the, <laughs> the Smurf village lost in the land of the uncanny Valley. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, the first one came out like a while ago now, right? It, it did. Um, it, it was so... When, when was that? Smurfs? Let me We're look Googling that up. But while I'm looking up exactly what year that came out, um, I, like I said, I'm a fan of the Smurfs. So when I realized that it was not a continuation of... It was not the final movie in a Smurfs trilogy. I got really excited because I wanted it to be, I wanted to get away from that. And it seemed more like a reboot. <coughs> I think it may turn into that. It certainly, I was reading it, did start as Smurfs 3. It did. And when there were a lot of studio changes, um, they had this movie and all these assets and no one was happy working on it. And so they... The studio allowed them to completely change directions. So instead of Smurfs 3, we have Smurfs 1, number 2. Got it. It looks like the Smurfs came out in 2011. Yeah, that's ancient in uh, animation years. And Smurfs 2 came out in 2013. So you can tell it's good because of the fast turnaround. <laughs> And this one probably would have also had a fast turnaround if they didn't scrap their entire movie and assets and start over. Yeah. So what did you find about that story? The, uh... I thought that the overall framing was very good and handles it in, I think, a sensitive way. Um, like the very first, the introduction to the movie is the narrator telling us all about Smurfs and the Smurf village. It's like, here's all the Smurfs. Nosy, brainy, klepto, I don't know. Um, I would Paranoid love to Smurf. Smurf. Paranoid yeah. Smurf. Handy. Um, it's like, these are all the Smurfs in Smurf village except for one, Smurfette. But her name doesn't tell us what she does. It's not who she is. It's like, thank you, introduction to movie. Thank you <laughs> for clarifying that Smurfette is not girl Smurf. Right. And that's the entire conceit. It's like, she's not girl Smurf, so what is she? And, yeah, go on. Yeah, I, I appreciated that because for everyone else, Smurfs are named because of where they come from based on their defining trait. Hefty, clumsy. It's almost like dwarves, you know. The, the defining trait is what, what they're named after. Which is interesting because you would think that there would have to be a Smurf ritual where they get their names. Because otherwise you have Smurf parents, which there aren't any Smurf parents, but you would get a Smurf parent going, uh, your name is Rich Smurf. <laughs> Successful Smurf. <laughs> uh, you are college educated and loving... Uh, Baby Smurf. Like, you, you're just giving them... Any real, realistic um, goals, Smurf? Right. <laughs> Happy on your second marriage, Smurf. 
cares for others, Smurf. <laughs> Empathetic Smurf. You, okay with his feelings, Smurf. Uh, <laughs> Not allergic to gluten, Smurf. Uh, <laughs> so, like, so otherwise you'd be getting parents imprinting things onto the Smurf that the Smurf would then have to live up to. You would think that there would have to be a, a ritual wherein the Smurf gets their name based on the study of, yes, is this my true name? And that's the question that Brainy tries to answer. <coughs> in, with his in, invention? With his invention on, are the Smurf names matching what the essence of each Smurf is? So he has Hefty put on his head thing made out of mushrooms and acorns and other fruits and vegetables and stuff. And yes, it turns out, yes, you are hefty because I can see your defining trait, your defining characteristic. And then when Smurfette puts it on, she absorbs all the energy and it explodes. Because mm, it can't define who she is. By a single so, trait. It's not just that her name doesn't tell us who she is, it's that she contains multitudes. Mm-hmm. So it's making a complex character out of someone who's been Smurfette for decades. Yeah. It's trying to expand it for just somebody who's been Smurfed for, I think, for decades now. And I think that this is another movie, having talked about The Boss Baby last week, another movie where the trailer doesn't really tell the story of what the movie is. Because the trailer is all about her three sidekick Smurfs, Brainy, Clumsy, and Hefty, who are all guys. It's almost no Smurfette in the trailer. Which is true. Yeah. And so it kind of threw, threw me when I read an article about what the movie was about, because... I was not getting any of that from the trailers. But I guess one thing that Smurfette isn't is funny and silly enough for a trailer for a kid's film. Because kid's films want, here's the crazy adventure stuff, here's the stuff, people falling, here's the character screaming, here's Jack McBrayer saying really funny things. Which works well for Jack McBrayer. Actually, I love Jack McBrayer, Joe Manganiello, and Danny Pudi. So all three sidekicks. And they are all definitely very silly. There's less... Smurfette does have less humor. You're completely right about that. I think she's still some good moments. She does, but the trailers... And I think this is more of a, a trailer issue in terms of what they think that kids want to see. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, there are no... Um, fart jokes in Smurfs, um, which like adds a couple of stars in my book. Anytime you can make it, <laughs> if you can make a children's movie, an animated children's movie, and not have there be farts, you've already gone like from no stars to two. Like I don't, I don't even care. Two stars for that. <laughs> but they they expect that kids would be would want the crazy physical comedy you want to laugh you want to have things look a little scary and exciting in the trailer you want it to feel like there's an adventure going on and while that's not the 
essential question. I think I would have been more excited by what that story is actually about than the story that they thought they were trying to tell in the trailer. Yeah, I don't know if the trailer was telling a story, because this is, I would say, an adventure movie and not a comedy, and it's marketed as a wacky comedy. And there are wacky parts to it, but it's not that movie. Right. And I appreciated it not being that movie. I did too. I can't say that I I love this walking out of it as much. I didn't love the Boss Baby either, but I didn't <laughs> leave the theater as happy with my choice as I did leaving the theater after Boss Baby, but I wasn't unhappy. I thought that it's a worthwhile story to tell with mixed points in it. So spoilers if you haven't seen it. Um, the Lost Village is a village of female Smurfs. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, yeah, yeah, but they tell us that in the trailer. I didn't see that trailer. I think I gave up after the first one. I, th- I just kind of wrote yeah. it off. There are later trailers. They show that it's a, a village of female Smurfs, and that, that's the answer. That it's not really about Smurfette trying to figure out who she is. It's like, wait, here's this mystery of this other village, and it's all women. And they even show dancing from the finale because, you know, it's an animated film, so it has to end with dancing. Of course. A dance number. Um, so some of that is lost in the trailer, but the, the essential thread of Smurfette asking, who am I? I think they would have gotten better if they figured that out. I don't know if that's just marketing, marketing people being afraid to market to girls. I don't know. Or marketing a movie with a girl main character that's animated. As we've seen time and time again with countless properties canceled or not marketed right because marketers are afraid of not marketing to little boys. Right. They don't want to turn off the kid, the men, you know, the boys from seeing it. And it's like. And that's not how that works. Kids are going to see it. Yeah. And, and in front of the movie, there was the Cars 3 trailer. I feel like I have to say this. There was the Cars 3 trailer. And my son had his ears shut the whole time for that one (laughs) because it was too loud. It was too much. There was music. And that's like being total cram masculinity down a, down a kid's throat. You know, it's just high octane and car racing and stuff. And he just plugged his ears and was like, why, why is this going on? More power to you, Jack. I've he also was, skipped all those movies. He, he just couldn't fathom that. Um, so I think that they're doing a disservice to when, when they're not telling what's really in there. Yeah, it's a disservice to the movie, and it's a disservice to people who might see the movie. I agree. So it's just, yeah. I, I, I was The trailer made me not want to see it, but I did want to see it because I love the Smurfs. So you're going to see it regardless of the trailer, but the trailer wasn't helping. The trailer did not help. The one thing about the trailer, um, and this gets into our talk where we talk about storytelling and style. The thing about the trailer that I noticed right away was the design of the Smurfs. Yes. It's much more true to the original. Yes. And it's far, far away from the realism from the Neil Patrick Harris Smurfs which I appreciated. 
Um, and what I watched a lot of interviews with the director, Kelly Asbury, talking about the design and how they wanted to go back to the original Peo comics from Smurfs and get that, which is a lot like uh, the Peanuts movie where Blue Sky tried to mimic the look of 2D and, you know, the 2D panels of Charlie Brown comics um, trying to do that in 3D animation and realizing that you never saw a Peanuts character straight on. Mm-hmm. So using 3D to always manipulate whether you're far, far left, side and side, but never looking straight on, so bending the model so that way it would mimic more the 2D animation. Um, and they try to do that a lot with Smurfs too, with things that are subtle, but things like Smurf eyebrows. I love their eyebrows. Where their eyebrows actually go above their hats. So they are not, they are attached from their heads essentially and can go higher because that's what Peo did in his drawings. Their, their eyebrows went higher. And why not be able to do that in 3D? 3D does not have to be realistic you can't yeah having a 3d model doesn't mean you can't bend that model or do something else with it and make it a little bit more plastic and make something a little more graphic and, and that's i re- re- appreciated that it retains a lot of the 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 comic nature of it as you're saying but i mean i think eyebrows are the most reliable way to convey emotion in a comic medium mm-hmm. um so it's interesting to see them here. Like you can't like eyes are the the gateways to the soul or whatever for film, and I think eyes are really hard to draw, which is why you don't get as much of those in comics. But you have eyebrows. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing about the eyes, they talked about. Um, Peo did the eyes where they're basically sh- two eyes shoved together without anything in the middle. Like, a la Sonic the Hedgehog. I mean, right. Peo did it first, but right. But that same idea where it's just. Goggles, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, Goofy has the same thing. But just trying to decide how you can show that there are two eyes and not just a single eye goggle or space to try to do that. So they talked about how they got the eyes right. And a lot of it was the triangle underneath where the, the nose meets the eyes and having making sure that little triangle right there was mm. present. The little gap. Exactly. But then having the eyes still be close together. But it was really, it was really good in terms of the style. And I, that style was the thing that made me more excited than the story that the trailer tried to tell. So do you feel that the style and story are close to your childhood memories of the Peo Smurfs? I feel like they are closer because the Smurfs, I remember... Um, being a little bit bouncier, a little friendlier. I think the thing that's closest to the original Smurfs is uh, the sh- Disney show Gummy Bears. Mm. So if you want a feeling for what Smurfs felt like in the 80s, Gummy Bears, um, the, Disney fil- the Disney film, hopefully Sunday, we'll see. <laughs> but the Disney series Gummy Bears where things are medieval. It's an earlier time. It feels like fantasy. There are knights and kings and other things. 
And they're just like essentially blue hobbits. You know, they're, they're fantasy characters and being in a medieval time. I clearly have not seen enough of Gummy Bears. <laughs> so I think, I think the Smurfs as medieval characters in a fantasy film works better, which is why I didn't like seeing them in New York, you know? Yeah. And they still managed to make it modern for kids, but keeping kind of their fantasy setting with like Brainy Smurfs snap ladybug thing that was a printer and selfie camera and lots of other things. I enjoyed how they brought, quote, technology into it. I agree. But, but uh, keeping it, uh, quote, natural, you know, here's yeah. Brainy Smurf taking, having his ladybug take dictation. And it was really cool how the, the ladybug flapped its wings and its antenna to get and try to re-record and send back those recordings through. I was like, that's really clever. That's really clever. It's a very multifunctional ladybug and serves as a lot of different plot devices at various points in this movie, um, which is fine. I was a fan. I don't think that it detracted from the experience uh, and it definitely would answer questions of like little kids seeing this movie like, well, why don't they just take a picture or things like that? Right. Because they don't have a camera. Yeah. But why don't they have a camera? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Can't answer that one. So, and you have a quote from the director here. I do, yes. Um, so, director Kelly Asbury um, has said, that's when I was originally brought on board to develop and direct this project. The problem was that we were still wrestling with this very detailed and rather complicated origin story, which involved time travel and flashbacks. This is in reference to their uh, first Smurfs 3 script, uh, which is frustrating because if you look at the original Smurf comics that Peo did back in the 1950s and 1960s, none of the stories that he told were deeply complicated. They were all these fun, lighthearted adventures. And to my way of thinking, if this full-length animated Smurf feature was actually going to work, we had to get as close to our source material as we possibly could, which meant telling a simple, pale-like story, an adventure that was entertaining and emotional and engaging, rather than some overly complicated origin story. And I think we get that. It's a fairly straightforward adventure. Um, Smurfette has an internal drive, and there's an external, like, oh, look at this weird lost village thing. Let's try and find that. And there's a villain. There's no time travel. There's no flashbacks. It kind of takes... I'm not sure if this is like an officially continuation of the cartoon or anything, um, but it certainly, in one sentence, establishes things that happened in the past. Such as like, oh yeah, Smurfette was created from clay. Cool, done. Don't need to see a flashback. Right. And they did a... They had a little bit of a flashback um, where they showed oh. Gargamel creating... Smurfette, which is the big thing that Smurfette was is not a natural Smurf, mm -hmm. or or as they would say, like a, a Smurf who is actually like um, a Smurf who was. I don't know how Smurfs are birthed, so I don't really. <laughs> we won't speculate on that in this podcast, right? <laughs> 
I mean, in in the I used to have as a kid, I had a tape called Smurfing Sing Song, um, which was like British, and they told the origin story of once there was a wise magician who could do many things, but he was lonely, so he created these Smurfs to give and gave them a village, and so that way he could have friends essentially. Whether that is canon, I can't say, but it was a fun song. And very, and mis- I think very mysterious. The creators of this film also talk about a lot of their first experiences are the Smurf albums and not the comics or show either. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of this kind of develops out of the Smurf albums as their primary source material. Hmm. And so the, the next thing is, as we saw Gargamel creating Smurfette as a way to go in and find the Smurfs and locate them so he could steal their magic. Now, I had questions about what is Smurf magic and (laughs) how does Smurf magic work? Are they just infused with magic? Is this something that came from? It doesn't matter. It doesn't doesn't matter. Same thing. Gargamel created Smurfette. Cool. Gargamel wants the Smurfs because they're magic. Done. Sold. Continue. Mm-hmm. It's simple. Doesn't need to be overcomplicated. We, we don't need big, complicated answers. I would think that Gargamel already <laughs> has a lot of magic, and he is a cat that is um, smarter than he is, and clearly magic as well. Yeah, Azrael is a, a pretty hip cat. A hip cat, ah, Azrael. I'm not huge on slapstick, especially in like younger oriented kids movies, but. I really liked everything Azrael. Really? It was all funny. I did. I did. Um, I think it really sold it. This is my runner-up for favorite thing, but not my favorite thing. Um, at one point, Gargamel's trying to see some distant Smurfs that he pulls out like some opera glasses or something, and he's looking at them, and Azrael's like in the background rolling his eyes, and then Azrael pulls out a matching pair of opera glasses <laughs> and looks too. <laughs> Where did he get the opera glasses? I don't know. Why does he need opera glasses? Doesn't matter. <laughs> I appreciated having a villain who, and this goes back to the old cartoon too, who was dangerous, who was as inept as he was dangerous. Yes. He's I, manipulative. He has magic, but he can't do anything right. Yeah. He, he, it's just works so well to have Gargamel. And I know some of those jokes were really old jokes with Gargamel, like, like, ah, like uh, the sidekick has an idea. And then the bad guy's like, no, 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 that's stupid. And then says, wait, I have an idea. It's the idea you've just said. And I know that that's gone on from like early, early, early stuff. You know, even some Peter Pan stuff has, you know, that conceit of, wait a minute, I have a better idea. It's this thing that you've just said. You know, it's, but it's classic and it's all, it's still funny, mm-hmm. you know, even though it's something that it's an older kind of joke, it's still funny. If it fits for the character, I'm okay with it being cliche. Right. And it did. It, that's part of kids' movies. Like, unless you're like repeating something that's been done by every movie in the past year, um, see fart jokes. Um <laughs> 
then it might be that, that child's first encounter with this style of jokes. I think as an adult, you have to be open to, if it fits the character, that's fine. Right. And I think you have to... It, it breeds having smarter kids to see what the villain is doing. Because if they're laughing, then they're understanding what's happening there. Mm-hmm. And what's, hap- what's happening is complicated as a concept that this character is trying to pretend that they're smart. And so I, I do, I do appreciate when younger kids laugh at stuff like that. But anyway, you, you also wanted to say something about magic. I did. I was just thinking about that. I was thinking about how I want to say this. Um, Because we do have Gargamel's magic, but there's also natural magic in this movie, in the Forbidden Forest. Um, And unlike our topic of last week, the Boss Baby, there are a lot of bright colors and wacky camera angles all over this movie. Yes. Um, Which is more saved for the magic sequences, but most of the movie's magic, so that's fine. Um, and bright colors kind of define them both. So it's not really passing a judgment on whether magic is good or bad. It's just magic is there. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I have a more complete thought than that. Well, I think as we're going into these fantasy worlds, that the fact that there is um, a sorcerer who's their main villain and there is magic and, you know... Papa Smurf has a cauldron in his house for making his spells. And he's, it was his Smurf magic that helped Smurfette turn into a good person and turn her. Mm-hmm. Although one might say it's whatever was inside Smurfette that really changed <laughs> her. And that Papa Smurf just activated what was already present inside of her. Clay. But, but also she was clay. So it's, I mean, it felt very reminiscent, this is a throwback, um, to Pokemon, the first movie, at the end of this movie. Like, oh, the the hero character has turned to some kind of dirt or stone or clay, and everyone gathers in a circle and cries, and the tears bring him back to life. I know, I I outed myself there. (laughs) It's okay. But I think it's, it felt right that it was out in nature that she was is if you think of clay it's not necessarily it's something that feels artificial mm-hmm. and when you see smurfette as clay and she gets turned back into her original form it looks nothing like the personality that she has it's just a lump and you can sort of distinguish a face and a nose a little bit, but it's... Yeah, you can tell like it's meant to be a Smurf. It's right. kind of melted. Mm-hmm. Melted Smurf. It kind of raises the question, are all the Smurfs originally clay? I don't know. I don't know what a Smurf is. I don't know. There's, there's a main question. There's our origin story. And whether we want to investigate or whether that matters. Um, another thing that I was wondering about in terms of this... I, and I liked the story because I liked the simplicity of it. I liked, you know, laughing at it. I liked the magic and the wonder of it. Um, and Jack really enjoyed the story. So my four-year-old son, Jack, 
he really enjoyed it. He was really scared of when the Smurfs are all in the, they're in the tunnel and they can't find each other and they're lost. And then they hear the huge rumbling sound and he got really scared and then got really excited that they were rabbits. That's kids animation bathos though. Like instead of like, ha, look how ridiculous this twist is. Or you're talking like this really high minded speech. And then you have a fart joke immediately after it. I think good kids bathos is having something be really scary just for a moment and then turning around and being like, oh, it's cute, fluffy bunnies. Uh, yeah, he started, he was freaking out a little bit. And, and I'm okay with movies that scare him a little bit, you know, get him scared. And then when I said, oh, look, what are they? And he goes, they're bunnies. Like, And it just changed everything for him. And then he started laughing at how silly it was to have a stampede of glowing rabbits. Uh, and he, he appreciated that. And I, as a parent, was like, this is okay. This is good. I don't know why the rabbits are radioactive, but I'm into it. Well, everything in the Forbidden Forest seems natural and unnatural at the same time. That's how, yeah. we, get, that's how we get dragonflies. Yes, which are not dragonflies. They're little insect creatures that breathe fire. That look like more... <laughs> There's more dragon than fly. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It, it just showed that this was walled off because it's too dangerous and too magical. So don't Who go in this area. I don't know. Gargamel's over there. Gargamel's the evil warlock. He didn't close it off, so somebody had to close it off. It, no Smurf built that wall. Mm. So tell me about the Lost Village. Once we get there, what is interesting about the Lost Village? Well, there's the easy thing that we can see that the Lost Village is all female Smurfs. Mm. So whereas we have a village of male Smurfs, now we have a village of all female Smurfs. But no, they don't even know what a boy Smurf is. Boy, that's a funny word. Yes. Thank you, Ellie Kemper. <laughs> playing Kimmy Schmidt as a Smurf. Which fits amazingly well. <laughs> Doesn't it, like, though? I, th I think if I watch season three of Kimmy Schmidt with my eyes closed and imagine Kimmy as a Smurf, it would still be hilarious. And it's basically the plot of Smurfs 1. If they remade the first Smurfs movie with Neil, Neil Patrick Harris um, with Ellie Kemper as a Smurf, that's... I would actually watch this. Yeah, now, now, I'm, now I'm getting behind that remake. But, um, sidekick Titus. <laughs> um, but that's off topic. But yeah, so we have uh, The Lost Village, um, which is very different than the other Smurf Village. The other Smurf Village is more like Hobbiton. Right. And this one's more like, I don't know how to describe it, Ewok Village. Uh, I would agree with that. It's a little bit more Ewok, uh, slightly more Avatar. Yeah. So there's a little Avatar vibe um, there in terms of the the Smurfs. This is going to get confusing. So the the original Smurf village where all the male Smurfs live, they live in mushrooms mm -hmm. close to the ground. 
everything is spongy and nice and they pick smurf berries and they sing the song all the time they live a very easygoing life their one fear is that gargamel will find out where they're they're living but they don't have much to worry about they're okay in the lost village we have smurf a more of a smurf tribe where they actually have armor and they have things to make them look scary they have spears they know archery they have weapons because being in the forbidden forest is a little bit more dangerous so the nature could get you animals there's a lot more threat so these smurfs they have things in the trees they live a little higher up they're more on their guard in some ways they're a little bit um, stronger than the smurfs in the other village and at a, a primary level all the girl smurfs have their own naming convention they which do. is different than the regular Smurfs. They're all Smurf plus flower or plant or something. Smurf Willow, Smurf Clover. I guess Smurf Storm isn't really like a... I don't know what Smurf Storm is. But the Storm also. Something nature. Natural, yeah. And none of these names tell us about who they are. So it's not like pigeonholing all these new girl Smurfs into something else. Um, it's a way for it to be open to Smurf. If it's like, oh, these also aren't defined by one dominant characteristic. But... At the same time, they're all like Smurf and then flowers or plants. So it's like a feminist message, but like an 80s feminist message. <laughs> it's like if, what's what's the, the colorful, the Lisa, Lisa Frank. It's like if Lisa Frank, it's a Lisa Frank feminist message. Mm. But still good. This yeah. is Smurf Rainbow Panda. Can't really define what a rainbow panda is or means. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but it's decidedly Lisa Frank. Smurf dandelion. Smurf posy. Yeah. Smurf no, meadow. Like, Smurf axe. There's no Smurf battle axe or anything, though. <laughs> no, there's. You're, you're right. There isn't. But it's there, not even like. There's no, like, Smurf Oak or Smurf Maple. Like, they'll either Smurf Willow. <laughs> Come on, though. Willow. Like, Grandmother Willow. and I see what they're going Oklahoma. for, but it's, like, it's a very, like, feminine-associated word still. Right. I wanted Smurf Battle Axe. Not that specific thing, but I wanted something. Smurf Thorn, Smurf Thistle. Mm, I would be okay with Smurf Thistle. I feel like Smurf Thorn is still like, that's like the Femme Fatale. True. Femme Fatale Smurf. Now you, but you had something about the the sidekicks, or the side characters, and the naming convention for them. This movie is a little subversive. Um, which I enjoy, because of course, while well, it's about how your name doesn't define you for Smurfette, and the other Smurfs don't really have defining names either, all the male Smurfs have, they're hefty and brainy and clumsy. But throughout the movie, hefty, brainy, and clumsy do things that are the exact opposite of their name. Hefty is like this sweet guy, it's like this unrequited love, but not in a creepy way for Smurfette. 
Um, Brainy has no common sense at all, and then Clumsy pulls off all these like skilled trick shots and is a master of riding dragonflies. None of them fit their name in other ways. Right. right. So, and then it's again, it's does your name define you, or is that just your name? And it doesn't quite push that far enough for Smurfs in general, or like a message for kids. It's like Smurfette is not defined by your name, which is still a good message, and I appreciate that. But I almost wanted to see it go like a little bit further. Right. Just a little, little further. Just a Smurf more. Yeah, I agree. I, I said I wasn't done. I. I know, and I've Smurfed it up a couple times. And no, no more Smurf. <laughs> Did you have um, a particular favorite thing from Smurfs of Lost Village? I did. We've kind of already talked about the dragonflies a little bit. And the first time they run into these, Brainy goes into his notebook and looks around like, well, they breathe fire and they fly around on wings. And then he has like this conversation with his ladybug, Snap, who doesn't talk, but just has like little buzzes back. Me, me, me. And so, should we? Isn't it too easy? Okay, I guess we'll call them dragonflies. <laughs> And I would have hated if they just called them dragonflies, but because it got a little meta and fourth wally, like, isn't it too easy? Okay. Yeah, we'll call them dragonflies. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Uh, what was your favorite thing? And did Jack have a favorite thing? Uh, Jack did have a favorite thing. Jack's favorite thing was clumsy Smurf being on the ground after the they were crossing this giant bridge and the buzzard... Um, gosh, what's his, the Monty, the Monty. Thank you. I was like, ma, ma, ma. So Monty crushes the bridge and they go falling Indiana Jones style and start falling and clumsy is screaming, thinking he's still falling, not realizing that he's at the bottom and he's fine. And Jack laughed at that for a little too long. I imagine there's something you have to reenact at home all the time now. Uh, yeah, it's, it was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing is the Gargamel drowning sequence. Yes. They're on the crazy winding river, which I think was a fun concept. It's a river that goes out of its riverbed at times and swirls around. So you never know which way it's going to actually go. It's not bound by the a path on the ground, which I thought was... It just adds to the, the magical nature of it. But Gargamel ends up on a boat next to the other Smurfs. They're like, oh, at least we're beating Gargamel. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> what are you doing here? Of course. And then he falls off and starts drowning. And the Smurfs are ready to leave him. And he's like, wait, you, you have to save me. You're the, you know, please help me. And then it goes on for a really long time that he's, dr <laughs> he's drowning. And the Smurfs, you know, the, the four main Smurfs are having this crisis of conscience. Like, we can't go back and get him. We're trying to stop him from finding the Smurfs Lost Village. And he's, we're fine now. We'll just keep going. We'll leave him. And they're like, no, we can't do that because Smurfs do what's right. And we can't just leave this person and they're having this conversation, and you just hear Gargamel in the background, like, yes, please save me. My cat can't swim. <laughs> it's like, 
But if we say, you know, like we have to save, that would be awesome. Like, <laughs> like, like just this. Oh, thank you so much. Like just random interjections <laughs> from Gargamel as this conversation is going on for. So I just appreciate how long that conversation was because it's not an easy thing, but the fact that it just went on long and uh, it was, that was my favorite part. And it didn't drag either. Like there's still tension and the Smurfs were negotiating the whole time. It wasn't them saying the same thing over and over again for comedic effect. It was, they had a scene and then Gargamel had these comedic effect interjections. Right. It, it, it was not a joke that went on for too long and it was not annoying. It was them actually working through something. And I think that's why it worked. It was them working through something, but always us as an audience being reminded that Gargamel's still drowning. <laughs> this is time sensitive. As you listeners of a podcast about storytelling and animation may be already aware, The Simpsons turned 30 on April 19th. It's a little bit older than me, jerks. They are, I am eight years to the day older than The Simpsons. I personally did not know that I and the Simpsons share a birthday. So <laughs> that's for all the listeners. Next April 19th comes around. If you get something for the Simpsons, you might also want to toss something my way. But in celebration or in recognition of this milestone, we will be looking at the Simpsons original shorts from the Tracy Ullman show from where it all began 30 years ago. There are 48 of them. They're all like just a couple minutes long. You don't have to watch them all, but get no. a good idea. Uh, we definitely recommend uh, Good Night, Family Portrait, Leap. Mm-hmm. Or Bart Jumps, I think it's called. Bart Jumps. Any of the cookie jar related ones. Maggie's Pacifier is a fun one. Making Faces. Oh, yes, Making Faces. The Burp Contest. Yeah, the Burp Contest. I think if you go on to different places, you may just find things that are 11 or 12 minutes long. No, None of them are that long. If you find something that's 11 or 12 minutes long, that's a compilation. It's like so, eight of them. So, yeah, just turn them on and watch them. Yeah. Awesome. As always, we want to say thank you to our Smurf and to Smurf, Nigel Catino. We also want to say thank you to our Smurfin music for our Smurf, Jacob Reed. And also you can Smurf us on the web, on TwitSmurf, WG Animated, on our Smurf website, on Smurf, writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. And on smurfbook.com slash WG Animated. I just smurfed it all at once, trying to get Smurf in as many times as Smurfable. I didn't want to interrupt that very important plug at the end of our episode, so I didn't say this before. But good night, everybody. <laughs>